This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What is up, Rotoviz family? Welcome back to the On the Daily DFS podcast. You can find us on Twitter at On the Daily DFS. You can find me at Salito FF, and you could normally find my co-host at Matt Jones TFR here with us, but he is not here tonight. He informed my other co-host at TJ Calkins right before the show that he's really not feeling well. So, uh, shout out to Matt. Um, he is the guy. He's the familiar face around here. He's the one that everybody is used to, and he turned the reins over the two of us tonight. So that could only mean one thing. It will absolutely go off the rails tonight, and Matt will be sitting there squeezing his pillow and just throwing stuff at the wall. But, uh, TJ, we're here to take you game by game through the main slate for Week 11. Back to normal a little bit this week with seven early games and four later games. And as I look over these games and the point totals for this week, I notice a couple of things. We have very close matchups this week, a lot of three-point or less matchups and also we have the fewest over 50 point totals i've seen probably since week one we have two games on the main slate that are slated to go over 51 and that's not even that high at all so we're gonna have to look a little bit deeper for the winners this week and uh, speaking of winners tj how did you make out in week 10 you know i made out not bad but i could have done a lot better uh i actually not true to my own character I, I went unstubborn and I actually didn't lock my guy for the first time in a long time. Uh, but I did stay stubborn on uh, hammering the Eagles because I thought the Eagles were going to have a big boost. So uh, what should have been a great week was just okay. 
Yeah, and his guy is, of course, Deontay Johnson, who put up a 26 spot this week. All, we'll get to that game. All of the, the Pittsburgh wide receivers put up 20-plus. He put up the most. And, by the way, comes back again the cheapest this week. So we'll definitely get into that soon. But you, you mentioned Philadelphia, and the first game we got up on the slate this week with a 46.5 total is the Philadelphia Eagles visiting the Cleveland Browns. This game is a 3.5 uh spread right now in favor of Cleveland. Last week, both of these teams had running backs that that showed up, played great, got bulks of the touches, and then disappointed it when it came to the end zone. And and uh, in much different ways did they disappoint us getting to the end zone. We'll start with Nick Chubb, who was back after missing several weeks. He is back at $7,000. He returned, and for a period of the game, TJ, he seemed to disappear. He was there early, and then I didn't see him for a while. There was a lot of hunt. A lot of fun, but Chubb returned later in the game, and then it looked like it was all Chubb, and he looked like his old self. He is 100% healthy. He is 100% back, but what will be left in everybody's minds is him breaking free up the sideline for that long touchdown and having a wherewithal as a football player to get out of bounds. I would have actually thought just fall to the ground and keep the clock running, but he did enough to keep them – where they could just kneel on the ball, right? But he broke hearts of a lot of people, including gamblers, because that game finished a half a point uh, below the spread. Um, if they, if he would if he would have scored that touchdown, it would have paid for a lot of people. So TJ seven thousand dollars for him, Hunt sixty seven hundred dollars. They both saw nineteen carries. They both went over hundred yards. Chubb did find the end zone once, but Hunt was the one who added three receptions for twenty eight. How are you looking at these running backs? Are you, you know, can you play both? Would you play both? Are you playing them in separate lineups? Not the same lineup, of course. How do you look at them this week going against Philadelphia? Uh, definitely not playing playing them in the same lineup. I don't think there's any way you can do that this week. I do think it is viable, uh, especially when the pricing was different, uh, when the Browns were playing a better matchup. Uh, playing rushing backs against the Eagles is a little bit of a dicey proposition. And especially because I think the Browns could be trailing in this game. Uh, the breakouts for, say, Rager and Goddard on the other side of the ball, just because they haven't happened yet, I, I don't think that means it's not going to happen. And with the Browns' coverage, especially on the outside for a deep threat and for tight ends, I think at least one of those guys break out this week. I think we're going to see a lot of points from Philly. And if the Browns are trailing, I think uh, Hunt might be the more attractive option this week. Yeah, Hunt is clearly getting the the the, uh, the targets out of the backfield. I think uh, Chubb only sold one a week ago. Like you mentioned with the, the Eagles targets, Zach Ertz is also – he's been designated to return, and there is a possibility he could rear his head this weekend. And that just adds more to the, to the Eagle – side of the ball. Um, we'll move on from the, the Browns because I don't think with 19 carries each for the running backs, no wide receiver on a team saw more than three receptions. I think five targets were the most. So I, I don't know that we're interested in anybody on the receiving side. You could tell me if I'm wrong about that, TJ. Uh, I mean, Higgins is kind of interesting uh, at 4,500. I don't trust Landry at all in any scenario, but like I said, if the Browns are trailing in this game or we got a close game, uh, it, it's just simply always been and always will be better to throw on Philly. And if there is a receiver on the Browns that has the potential for that DK bonus and for a touchdown, it's definitely Higgins and the price is right. 
All right, so speaking about that other running back that looked good, came back, was healthy, uh, Miles Sanders, but disappointed us in the sense that he played fine. He did everything we asked him to do with his touches. It's just that a 56-yard touchdown run out of Boston Scott and a one-carry, five-yard, one-touchdown day from Corey Clement kept Miles Sanders from finding the end zone and really hurt a lot of people. If he gets even one of those touchdowns, it becomes a much different day. He's back at $6,700 this week. And he's going against a very attackable Cleveland run defense. Um, you know, are, are you comfortable throwing him in there? Do you think there's too many Scott Peterson shenanigans when it comes to putting these other guys in there? And again, we mentioned there is a slew of pass catching targets. And as you mentioned last week, Carson Wentz is a running quarterback this year. So where are you at with Miles Sanders? Oh, Wentz wasn't a running quarterback last week. That didn't happen. But uh, Sanders, man, uh, I think under 7K, it's just going to be a very favorable price. Like you said, uh, I don't know if it's Peterson shenanigans. It just, I mean, it didn't work out for him last week. It was bad luck that Scott hit the big play. Um, I mean, the goal line carry for Clement, that was just, that was odd. Uh, I'll say that, but I, I don't know <laughs> if that's something to count on going forward. Um, but again, you know, I, I'm... I'm not going to live and die by it, but I'm just going to play a lot of Philly players this week. I think Wentz is absolutely in play as well. Uh, Sanders is going to be a great play. I don't know if I'm going to play Sanders in conjunction with any of the other Eagles, but uh, as far as maybe a double stack with Wentz, you can use Sanders, neither Rager or Goddard. But uh, Wentz, Rager, Goddard, and Sanders, I am, uh, I, I'm very interested in this matchup. Uh, I do want to watch the weather. The last two Browns home games, as we know, have been absolutely decimated by weather. Uh, that was the Raider game, and last week, uh, the Texas game. So definitely pay attention to that weather, but if we get a calm enough day and uh, lack of precipitation, I think this is going to be a sneaky game. All right. Well, like I said, we have a lot of low totals this week, and we have to find the spots where we can find the hidden points and and take home some green this week. So Listen to TJ. He's a smart guy. He does better than me each week. Um, all right, next up, we have the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. And this is one of our total of 51 games, a uh, highest scoring game. I looked because I say these teams had to have played each other this year already, right? No, they actually play each other twice in the next three weeks. Uh, Falcons play this week, then take on the Raiders, and then they're back to take on New Orleans again. So we're going to get a, a look at what we might see again two weeks from now, although we know – uh, indoor, outdoor can can change things. Oh, actually, both of these teams play indoors, so it actually won't be any outdoor games. But most importantly, Drew Brees is out for this game, might be out for the foreseeable future. So we get a very reasonably priced Jameis Winston at $5,900, but Taysom Hill, of course, is hanging over his head. We know that they will find ways to get Taysom Hill in there. And on DraftKings, you don't have the luxury of putting Taysom Hill into your tight end spot like I do on my ESPN leagues, and I will be playing him in my tight end. It's an absolute cheat code in your tight end spot of season-long ESPN. Yeah, you believe that, TJ? So I'm, placing, I'm basically playing two QBs in a single QB league this week on ESPN, which is fun. But we will have to decide, and you tell me, TJ, your feelings on Jameis Winston at $1,500. Listen, we saw what he could do last year with downfield threats. And they have guys that can catch the ball downfield on the same way. Mike Thomas is not that guy. He's slant guard Mike, as he's become to be known more recently. And uh, 
Traquan Smith is probably not going to play. Keep an eye on He got banged up hard last week. But they do have guys like Deontay Harris who could get downfields, and they got the guy um, Marquez Callaway who was looking really good a little bit early in the year who could get downfield. Really cheap options. The only problem with Jameis is the turnover factor. So are you willing to risk putting him in a couple lineups for those big downfield plays that he could get you, TJ? No, I really don't think I am. And I, I guess I'm just going to pose a question. I've been kind of weighing this myself. What percentage of snaps does Taysom Hill have to play to become a projected higher scorer than Jameis? <laughs> well, snaps at quarterback or snaps? Yeah, well, I mean, so, yeah. Because well, he lines up a tight end. He lines up. I would say, uh, I would say if he play, if he plays ten percent of the snaps, I see it's a low number, right? Like it's like twenty percent, yeah. even yeah. Because the so, plays are geared towards him when he's in there. It's just a fact. I, I mean, I agree with that, and it's almost because of that where you can't trust Jameis. I mean, is Jared Cook the best deep option on the team right now? You know, considering all things, I, I think he might be, which is sad. So. It doesn't really fit Jameis' skill set, uh, the weaponry they have there, uh, turnovers or not. Uh, Hill's going to be the gimmick play, and I, I really think we could see like a 30% of quarterback snap situation for Hill. Well, 30% so, would be – <laughs> I mean, he becomes playable at that point. You yeah. know, he really does. So I, I think I'd rather just roll the ownership dice and t- throw a dart or two at Taysom Hill than play Jameis. And, I, I mean, it, there's just nothing attractive about Jameis for me. And clearly that is in tournament play only. You're not going to play either one of these guys yeah, in your right cash there. games. Neither guy is reliable enough to get that crazy. Uh, it will separate you if one of them hits in a tournament. Uh, listen, let's talk about Michael Thomas. We all thought – Last week would be one of those games where he got peppered with targets. It just didn't happen. I did see late in the game, Jameis went to him twice back-to-back on throws in the end zone, and the, 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 the passes were just completely off. It wasn't a Michael Thomas fault situation. Uh, he's still reasonably priced at $7,300, uh, regardless of who's in there. This is a terrible Falcons uh, defense. They're 30th against wide receivers this year, and he's reasonably priced. And by the way, Devontae Adams – might not play this week. So you can get a good value at 7,300. You're going back to him this week, TJ. No, no, that's way too much with Jameis. And I mean, he hasn't produced with Breeze this year. And we've seen, I guess it's been kind of, I, I, I don't even know how to put it. Like a Breeze had a noodle arm early in the year. And I guess as the year progressed, it looked a little better, not a ton. But, I mean, it just should have added up to 20 targets a game for Michael Thomas. And, I mean, granted, it's a small sample, but it hasn't happened. And until I see something different, I'm just not going to be playing him. And if you know what? If New Orleans smashes this week, I'm probably going to lose. But I'm, I think I'm going to be fading that side completely. I don't think I want anyone. Well, I, I, you know, last week I said you don't need to have Kamara in your lineups if you don't want him. It wasn't necessary because it was a tough matchup. And it proved out to be a tough rushing matchup. He really did not do much on the ground at all, but he made up for it with seven receptions for 80-plus yards and three touchdowns, and he ended up smashing with a 34-plus game. He goes all the way up to $9,200 this week. He's up from 8200 last week, and his season high before that was 
8,300. So they have really, we're getting later in the season and really starting to make these guys a little bit more difficult to get in your lineup. But hey, in a cash game, I could never argue with you putting Kamara in there because he probably had one of the toughest matchups he's going to have all year last week and he produced. So that's all you need to say about that side of the ball. Over on the other side, Ridley is still banged up. Uh, he's not 100% yet. So this is something to definitely keep an eye on. Julio has played well as of late. He comes in at 7,500. But should Ridley not play, uh, and there's a chance that this game could be a high-scoring game. It's it's one of the higher totals on the week, if not tied for the highest total of the week. Are you interested in either Zacchaeus or Gage? Uh, they come in at 3,900 for Gage and 3,500 for Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus. So you say tomato, I say tomato. TJ, either one of these guys is a long shot play, really cheap, get, gives you the ability to get some other guys in your lineup this week. Honestly, uh, knowing what the Saints, uh, the struggles they've had with tight ends this year, I, it's Hayden Hurst for me that's actually that guy. You know, and it's a – I don't know if we say this every year. I think this year is a little bit weirder where you're looking at the tight end 5 through tight end 11 range. These guys have like 8 and 9 points. So – you know, it is so easy to break the tight end spot, and Hurts has been nothing if not just like a safe double-digit DK output guy. If he scores, you can get more. But, you know, he's getting those targets. He's getting seven, eight targets, and I think the matchup is very sound. And like you said, if Ridley is healthy or not, if he plays, probably somewhat limited. And if he doesn't, even better yet. But uh, if you're not paying up for Julio, I think the best option on this team is Hayden Hurst. Yeah, and like we say every week, at a year where going into last week, TJ Hawkinson, I believe, was the third-ranked tight end on the season. If you looked at season-long points, you know it's a down year for tight end. So if you could get somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 points a week in uh, in DFS this year, it's actually enough to probably put you over the top in a lot of places. All right, let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Washington football team. This is a less-than-one-point game. That's a one-point uh, total in this game, uh, difference rather, and it's a total of 46.5. The Washington football team is favored. I realize it's in Washington. I just think Cincinnati's a better football team, but I thought the Bengals would show up last week against the Steelers. They cost me a little bit money, a little bit of money, I, and I teased that game, which made it even worse that they still couldn't keep, stay within the, uh, the teased total of that game. But aside from T. Higgins last week, who put up seven for 115 in the touchdown, basically his best all-around game of the year. Nobody produced on Cincinnati last week. And, TJ, do they produce this week? Do you go back to the well? I mean, listen, he's only $5,900, T. Higgins. He's the number one wide receiver on the team right now. I don't think it's – it's. he's gotten back-to-back nine-target games. I know your love for Boyd. I know that Boyd is, you know, the, the more reliable guy, the more consistent, experienced guy. But is it the T the T Higgins show? I almost called him TJ Higgins because of you. I mean, I, I don't think it's a clear cut thing. I think it's going to be fluid on a weekly basis, but it could be either one of them. And I mean, T Higgins has looked fantastic. He's the only guy that really had a anything resembling an easy time uh, with that Pittsburgh secondary. Everyone else seemed to struggle. I mean, Burrow struggled. As someone. Uh, that had the over in that game and was very disappointed that since he ran out the clock, it didn't kick a field goal as time <laughs> expired. Uh, that, that was no fun. 
But, uh, yeah, Boyd definitely has a better individual matchup this week as well. So I, I think he might be a leverage spot because Higgins, will, I'm sure he'll be more popular. People are going to chase that. And I, I, don't, I'm, I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I think, uh, I think Boyd is good leverage here this week uh, yeah. with the individual matchup. It's definitely. I tell you who it's definitely not. It's not. A, it's not AJ Green who put up another offer last week. <laughs> we can all move on from him. That man is cooked. It's a. It's a little bit of a mess. A little bit of a mess still with the backfield in Cincinnati. Uh, Gio Bernard still looking very ordinary after a couple of decent games. Uh, Mixon still not practicing. That doesn't lead me to feel like he'll be in there this week. So you're staying away from the backfield. But uh, I was following along. Um, Mike Clay was tilting last week on Twitter over J.D. McKissick's usage in that game. Um, and when I went and looked at it today, I, was, I, I didn't realize he got 15 targets. 15 targets in that game. Last week, we talked about it. We joke about it every week because uh, JD, JD McKissick is a guy who I have in a lot of season long this year. And I even picked him up in a couple of dynasty leagues where I needed some roster fill out guys this year. And and I like to poke fun and, and say that he's as good, if not better, than Antonio Gibson. I think we all know who the better running back is and who the future of the Washington football team is. But you can't ignore the usage. And early on, and, and right out of the, the, uh, the gate in the second half, McKissick got the goal line carry. You should have seen how upset Mike was when that happened. <laughs> well, they they came to their senses. They went to Antonio Gibson. He ended up with two touchdowns in that second half, and it saved the day for those of us who did start him because I only played cash last weekend. He was in my cash lineup across the board, so that definitely saved the day for me. Uh, TJ, I know – you're not the type of guy to play J.D. McKissick, but you can't ignore the fact that he's had back-to-back 17-point games and 15 targets is hard to ignore. Do you go back to either one of these guys this week, or is it just, ah, let's go with McLaurin. McLaurin, he could play, he could play with anybody. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head on the last part. It's McLaurin. I mean, McLaurin's going to absolutely smash. We saw three Pittsburgh receivers uh, go over 20 last week, and essentially – McLaurin is going to get Deontay plus targets, but with the outside big play usage. So uh, absolutely McLaurin is the play. I mean, he might be the closest thing to a lock we have on the slate. Uh, As far as the running backs go, 17 points from McKissick last week is honestly the most disappointing thing you could ever think of if you played him. I mean, I played a running back that got 15 targets. He got me 17 points. Like, I mean, that's bridge jumper territory. Like, you're not, I'm, done. I'm done. So, yeah, that's that's about as bad as it gets. And I mean, uh, Gibson caught all four of his targets. He was just a more efficient player. He was a better runner. And I, I just – I would imagine uh, the role shifts to Gibson uh, progressively more. But he could be capped this season. It might not be until next season. We'll see. But uh, – in this matchup, it's Gibson because I do want the goal line touchdowns against Cincy. Uh, if you're playing it back, but otherwise it's McLaurin. Yeah, Riverboat Ron is the type of guy who you're gonna probably have to wait till next year to really get the full the full Gibson experience because it seems like, for better or for worse, for efficient or not, McKiss is gonna remain a part of this offense. And I agree with you. It, it to barely break the point total for touches in the game is not impressive. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, 
Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.